Hello, my name is Ray, and I'm one of the pastors at Willingdon. Today I have my Peru mug with me to remind us to pray for Peru. And because I remember being in northern Peru, in desert conditions where there were no streams of water, asking myself the question of this message, how do I quench my thirst? And of course, this is the question of many around the world. This is the question of the psalm we will read today, Psalm 42. Whether you are a committed follower of Jesus or just an earnest spiritual seeker, you will find the message of this song very relevant for you. Before we read the psalm, allow me to go back to an analogy I used some months ago. At the beginning of this sermon series, I used the trellis as a picture of how we structure and support our spiritual lives, the the rhythm we employ to to grow and thrive. My wife and I used this trellis to support a few pea plants this summer. As you know, the, the trellis is a common support used to get plants off the ground and growing upward. Supported by a trellis, plants can become more fruitful and productive. Unfortunately, this trellis was too small to support the growth of the peas. It was blown over by the wind a number of times. At the end of the day, the trellis was unable to sustain the height and weight of the pea plants. Produce was limited. We all have trellises, rhythms, and practices we follow to support our lives. Did your personal trellis enable you to thrive this summer? Did your personal trellis enable you to go deeper with God? Or was your trellis blown over by the winds of this season? Is your trellis down today? Many of us had weekend church gatherings as the foundation of our trellis prior to COVID-19. So it is natural for us to ask When can we go back to having our weekend church gatherings? Perhaps this question dominates your thinking. This is actually the question of the songwriter in Psalm 42. The song leads us to consider what is core to our spiritual lives. So let's read the psalm. Psalm 42, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day, all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The songwriter imagines a deer panting for scarce water in the midst of drought. You can picture a deer searching for a river or an oasis to quench its unrelenting thirst, even though predators may be lurking. So powerful is its thirst for refreshing streams. The songwriter sees himself with insatiable thirst in a spiritually dry season. You can feel his longing for God intensify 
he addresses him as God, then as the living God. And finally, he expresses his profound hope to meet with God. If only he could taste God's presence. The phrase living God in the Bible, it's often associated with the image of God as living water. The prophet Jeremiah refers to God as the fountain of living waters. In Hebrew thought, in fact, streams that continue to flow even during dry seasons are called living waters. The songwriter longs for the ever-flowing streams of refreshment that can satisfy his soul. Remember, this song is attributed to the sons of Korah, members of a renowned Levite family, a family of musicians and worshipers who led temple worship during the reigns of David and Solomon. For the son of Korah, who writes this song, the answer to his longing comes through the joy of public mass worship at the temple, that place of celebration and community. He feels isolated. It sounds like the songwriter was living through COVID-19. This son of Korah is hemmed in by his prevailing questions. His question is, why can't I get back to the temple to meet with God? He laments the circumstances that prevent him from temple worship. Those who despise his faith ask the biting question, where is your God? Neither question helps him see clearly. Because these questions dominate his thinking all day long, he falls into despair. His tears are his food day and night. Instead of being refreshed by the living waters of God's presence, he experiences the bitter waters of suffering. Instead of drinking from life-giving streams, he drinks his bitter tears. In his mind, everything is not as it should be. Perhaps your friends and family members question your faith in God in this moment because of the impact of COVID-19 or because your family struggles or because of your financial need or because of your illness. If God is good, why does he allow COVID-19 to happen? If God is sovereign and all-powerful, why doesn't he do something? Where is he? How should we feel? First, know that it's okay for us to join the songwriter in lament, to express our emotions fully, to mourn what has been lost, and to ask our questions. I sat with one of our pastors earlier this summer. He was moved to tears over and over again as he lamented what had been lost due to COVID-19 restrictions. At some level, we all lament what has happened. We long to gather and worship as we did in the past. But it's important to remember, even in the midst of our lament, what the songwriter is actually longing for. At the core, he's not longing for corporate temple worship, but connection with God. He wants to meet God. He needs God. So remember to do this. Focus your longing on God to move beyond lament. The songwriter, he closes the first stanza with some self-talk. This is chapter 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and 
my God. The songwriter was sad, troubled, even depressed. He looks deep into his own soul. Why am I in such turmoil? The root of that Hebrew word turmoil is to make noise, to roar. Why is my soul roaring like turbulent waters within me? Martin Lloyd-Jones writes in his book, Spiritual Depression, its causes and, and cure, the following, I quote, The main problem in the whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this. We allow ourself to talk to us instead of talking to ourself. Most unhappiness in life is due to the fact that we listen to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. The songwriter, in effect, says, Self, listen for a moment to what I have to say. Why are you so cast down? The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself, question yourself, and preach to yourself. You must remind yourself who God is and what he has done and what God has promised to do. This is the essence of the treatment in a nutshell. End of quote. Despair, it turns us in on ourselves. Instead of listening to our feelings and allowing them to drag us down, we must take control. Instead of being overwhelmed by our feelings, we must speak the truth of God to ourselves. So the songwriter commands himself, hope in God. The word hope, it speaks to a patient waiting for one greater than oneself. Patience is an act of trust in God's goodness and faithfulness. Hope, in essence, is waiting for God to remain true to his word. In Psalm 38, the songwriter exclaims, But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. And then in Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope. The songwriter reminds himself to put his full trust in God. And then he openly and unashamedly says in Psalm 42, verse 5, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's personal. God is my Savior. He will help me. He will deliver me from this moment of despair. Peter Craigie writes in his commentary on this psalm, and I quote, When one turns from the memories and burdens within the mind and boldly addresses to God a plea for deliverance, the first step is taken on the path that leads ultimately to a restoration of the life of praise and to mental and spiritual health. End of quote. Faith in God calms our questions. So remember to do this. Listen to God's truth to move beyond your troubling questions. The movement that we see in Psalm 42, in the soul of the songwriter, we also see in the soul of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 26, as Jesus struggles with the reality of crucifixion and death, Jesus says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And then a few hours later, in complete surrender, he says, Father, not as I will, but as you will. And then a little later, he makes a clear declaration to the crowds. All this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. 
And then a little later, he speaks an emphatic prophetic word to Caiaphas and his council. You will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus went from lament to surrender to clarity to emphatic prophetic words breathed into the future of his sure and eternal reign. So where are you and I in this cycle today? The songwriter in Psalm 42, he actually moves through three cycles of lament in this song. In verse 6, observe how the second cycle of lament sharpens the description of his dilemma. Either physically or metaphorically, he finds himself about as far as he could be from the temple in Jerusalem, while still within the boundaries of the promised land. He's at the source of the Jordan River, north of the Sea of Galilee, on the slopes of Mount Hermon, a mountain rising to 2,750 meters above sea level, around 9,000 feet. He is on the far northern edge of the land of Israel. For us, it would like, be like being off the grid, somewhere in the mountains with no Wi-Fi or phone service. Can he experience God there? Verse 6. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. His separation from worship at the temple has left him feeling distant from God. But please notice an interesting shift occurring in his heart. He moves from remembering the things of worship, the multitude, the music, the processions, the sacrifices, to remembering God himself. I remember you, he sings. This is no small shift. He felt that he could not worship because he could not get back to temple and worship with the multitude. However, the answer to his despair lies with a whole new understanding of God's presence. From the source of the Jordan River, in a distant, isolated place, prevented from participating in temple worship, he remembers the source of living water, the living God. In verse 7, he sees tumbling, roaring waterfalls plunging down the mountainside. He employs that imagery of the waterfall to picture his own soul's turmoil. The Fraser River, which winds through Metro Vancouver on its way to the ocean, has waterfalls near its source up in the Rockies. About a month ago, I sat by the rearguard falls and contemplated their power, the awesome noise of rushing, falling waters. If I had found myself in the river... I would have been carried by the torrent. Anyone would be. In verse 7, the songwriter also contemplates the raging, pounding sea with its breakers and waves, perhaps the Mediterranean Sea, which flanks the great Hermon's mountain range. Have you felt the power of the waves? Have you ever been carried by the ocean's undercurrent? Have you almost drowned? You feel helpless against the power of the ocean. These two pictures of raging, unruly waters picture the state of the songwriter's soul. He feels like he's being tossed by the waves, 
pulled under by the swirling currents, one chaotic deep calling to another. Powerful waves of sorrow overwhelm him. The songwriter longs for the quiet, flowing streams of verse 1, those refreshing, living waters of the living God. Can he meet God in the roaring turmoil of his own soul? Can he meet God when he has no control over his present circumstances? What will he find to secure his soul now? Verse 8 offers a response. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Swept away by his own doubts, taunted by his enemies, message that God is not present, longing to see God but so far removed from all the familiar and comforting rhythms that made God seem so real to him. He discovers an island in the midst of the sea, a lifeline to hang on to in the midst of the river. By day, someone shows him love. Someone comes to save him. It's the Lord, Yahweh, the one who saved Israel from Egyptian oppression, the one who is present to save each of his followers. Yahweh, the one who has the whole universe in his hands, throws him a personal lifeline. His outstretched hand grips the line of God's faithful, committed, relentless, sure love. In the darkness of the storm, a song wells up within him. He's able to sing to the living God. He's able to pray to the God of his life. He drinks from the living streams of verse 2. Instead of tears being his food day and night, worship and prayer can be his food day and night. As he worships and prays in the night, he remembers God's gracious, loving care. Reminds us of Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to your name almost high, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. As the psalmist worships in Psalm 42, as he worships and prays far from temple worship in Jerusalem, he experiences the God who is not absent, but rather fully present, present with him at all times and in all places. He can meet God anywhere, at any time. Yahweh is the fountain of life, the source of living water. When can I go back to church is a question many of us ask, but it is not the question that should dominate our thinking. Our question should be, God, how can we drink from your living water right now? How can we grow in our personal relationship with you in this season? The focus of our conversation should not be on those who prevent us from gathering, treating government authorities and health officers as adversaries, and feeding our souls with the opinions that dominate social media. Rather, our focus should be on God who is sovereign over this moment and fully present by his spirit to accomplish his purposes. He's calling us to himself 
and to one another. Not to sit side by side in a worship service, but to walk together through this season and into the next. Not weaker, but stronger. Because we've sought his face wherever we are. This is actually the gift of this moment. In the midst of COVID-19 restrictions and limitations, we can go deeper in our relationship with God. We can meet with God in worship and prayer, on our own, with our families, in discipleship groups, in life groups. No one is stopping us from doing these things. Truly, nothing essential to being followers of Jesus has been taken from us. Remember, if we are followers of Jesus... The Holy Spirit dwells within us, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? We are never far from temple worship. Why? Because the Spirit of God, the living God, dwells in us. We can worship God wherever we are. Let's go back to the trellis analogy. Has your spiritual trellis enabled you to grow healthier and stronger over the last six months? Have you flourished or have blowing winds and raging waters of COVID-19 taken your trellis down? In recent months, the Lord has asked me to change my daily rhythm, to strengthen my personal trellis. In the past, I would begin the day with worship, meditating on God's Word, allowing it to feed my thoughts and emotions, journaling in response, and then praying. Usually having been with God, I would begin the day well. And I hoped that my morning time with God would carry me to the end of the day. I would often end the day by reading the news feed on my phone or watching the news of late not very encouraging. The Lord has asked me to sit with him in the morning, pause at midday to ask myself who is actually leading me through the day. Is it the Lord? Is it the opinions of those around me? Is it the media? And then end the day with worship and prayer. At bedtime, I listen to worship songs on YouTube and Spotify, or I return to a worship set from our Willingdon worship team. After all, how often do I need to count coronavirus cases and deaths? How often do I need to consider Trudeau and Trump policies as if my future depended on them? I have also been deeply encouraged by friends, by my discipleship and life groups. To have a strong trellis, we must walk with one another in community on mission together, with Jesus leading us forward. We all need an intentional plan to keep God at the center of everything we do and to hear his word over our lives rather than the words of those around us. So remember this. Remember to do this. Strengthen your spiritual rhythms to move beyond your inner turmoil. If we don't have a daily rhythm with God, we will find ourselves drifting and distracted, even trying to live off of the spirituality of others. Most often, we'll find ourselves overwhelmed by the pressures of daily life, lamenting what restricts us and unable to see what God actually has for us right now. 
Do you sometimes find yourself cycling through the same questions over and over again? This is the pattern of despair. In verse 9, the songwriter cycles through his questions again, but this time he starts in a different place. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He begins this cycle of lament with, I say to God, my rock. Regardless of how difficult the situation is or how distant he might feel, Yahweh, God, the Lord, is still his rock, his foundation. God is his place of refuge, the place of refuge for his soul in the rushing river, his island of safety on the stormy sea. Yes, he questioned God's apparent absence. He feels the pain of his enemy's mockery. And sometimes he feels the pain like murder in his bones. That's the force of the Hebrew language here. But then again, he begins to talk to himself. Verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He chooses to hope in God the one who can meet him and deliver him from waves of sorrow. God is and always will be the fountain of life in every season. He always will be Yahweh, the God who is present to save him. He always will be present, surrounding him with his steadfast love and faithfulness and leading him forward. So if you're a follower of Jesus, where are you? in the cycle of lament today. Lamenting, refocusing, worshiping. Remember, it's okay to lament, but our lament must drive us to the feet of Jesus, take us to reflection on the truth of God, and open our eyes to the future he has for us. Many consider Psalm 43 to be connected to Psalm 42. In Psalm 43, the songwriter prays these words, Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. God, I want to be guided by your light and your truth, not my light and my truth. May each one of us strengthen our personal trellis and allow God to be our light and our truth in this season. God is present to quench our thirst, so remember to do this. Receive God's life-giving water to move beyond your thirst. Maybe you're not sure how to drink from these life-giving streams. I recommend the book written by Gary Thomas, Sacred Pathways. For me personally, the most frequent ways to connect with God are through worship and reading scripture, prayer, time out in creation. Thomas adds things like these, uh, loving God through solitude, tangible acts of service, and justice initiatives. There are others. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you you know that you're thirsty, you feel empty, but you're not sure where to find good water. One day, Jesus stood on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. 
the most high-ranking religious leader had just cried out on the final day of a national festival, how long, O Lord? What was he crying out for? He was pleading for life-giving water. His cry echoed the longing of his people for a time when they would experience salvation and all peoples would join them in worship. In John 7, we read these words. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit. Jesus makes this audacious, dramatic statement to the world. He is the one who can satisfy the thirst of anyone. It does not matter where, who you are or where you come from. Jesus will quench your thirst and he will make rivers of living water flow from your heart. He's the fountain of life. He will pour his spirit into you. In the clearest possible way, Jesus says, I'm the source of the stream. I'm the source of life. Come to me. He's throwing you a lifeline. Do you want to grab it? Jesus came in love, sent by the Father. He lived among us here on earth, and he revealed the love of the Father. He was obedient all the way to the cross. He died on a cruel cross in Jerusalem and took upon himself your sin, my sin, your thoughts, your actions, your very sinful nature, all that separates you from God. He took that upon himself, died in your place, paid the price you could never pay. And he did that so that you might receive forgiveness of sin, so that you might be freed from guilt, so that your shame might be removed, so that your fears might be dispelled, so that you might have relationship with God, your Father so that you might be filled with his spirit, so that you might be given the gift of eternal life. And so Jesus invites you to come to him and drink, to receive the living water that he has for you, to be made alive, to be made new, to be filled with hope. So if it's your desire to enter into a new relationship with Jesus today, and receive the life that he has for you, that I ask you to pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for coming for my salvation. You did that out of love for me. Jesus, I walk so independently of you. I fail you so often. And I'm asking you for forgiveness. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for me. Thank you for taking my sin upon yourself. And so, Jesus, I receive from you the gift of forgiveness. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. Father, I want to live in relationship with you. I ask you, Jesus, to fill me with your spirit, to empower me so that I might follow you. Thank you for making me alive, for making me new. Thank you for giving me new life. I commit to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
if you prayed that prayer for the first time, then I really encourage you to talk to a friend who follows Jesus, or you can connect with us. Raise your digital hand by connecting, clicking the I commit myself to Jesus button. We would love to connect with you and encourage you on your journey. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you can join us uh, at the Lord's table. We're going to celebrate communion. So let's transition to the celebration of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus uh, invites his followers, his disciples, to his table. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, one of his dear followers, uh, remembered uh, what Jesus had done the night that he was betrayed and recorded that in his letter to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, we read, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The bread symbolizes the body of Christ broken for us. The body of Christ broken so that we might be made whole, so that we might be one body in Him. As followers of Jesus, united, one. So we take from the bread and we remember Jesus, the body of Christ broken for you. Let's partake together. Paul goes on. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The blood of Jesus was shed for us so that we might receive forgiveness of sins, so that we might enter into a new relationship with God. Know God <laughs> as our God, as our friend, as our shepherd. God as our Father, we His children, us a part of His family. So, the blood of Christ shed for you. Let's partake together. Father, we humble ourselves before you and we acknowledge again that we are not worthy of being your sons and daughters, members of your family. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming and for dying in our place. It's because of you, Jesus, that we know the Father as we do. 
It's because of you, Jesus, that we have relationship with the Father. It's because of you, Jesus, that we have forgiveness of sin and that we've been made alive, that we have new life. It's because of you, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit abides in us and we're filled with love and joy and peace. We've been given a new hope. Thank you that our hope in you is sure and we know that you will return again so that we might be with you forever. Jesus, we long for that day when we will meet you again and you will raise the cup and we will celebrate together. Oh, Jesus, we long for that day. And until you return, Jesus, may we keep our eyes fixed on you. May we follow you, Lord, worship you with all that we are. Thank you that you're present with us in each moment. Thank you that you're present with us right now. And so we thank you that you're sustaining us, that you're uh, encouraging us, that you're empowering us to live this moment for your glory together. In Jesus' name, amen. We celebrate what Jesus has done for us. We remember that we are his children, and we commit ourselves to follow him each day of our lives. Allow me to leave you with a blessing. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless.